Well, good morning, church. If you want to open your copy of God's Word to First Peter, we are kicking off a brand new series. We're going to be taken through a, a letter that was intended for a church that was desperate, a church that was in need of life when they felt like they were facing death, a church that when it got darker and darker, they needed hope. For us to hear firsthand from the Apostle Peter that we can hear his challenge, all that he learned from Jesus, he wants to pass on to the church that is in desperate need of hope in the dark. I was thinking to myself, I get to enjoy all the benefit of doing the prep work for a new series and all of the backstory and reading through the commentary. And guess what happens to a lot of that? Uh, it stays with me. And I just thought to myself, how selfish would I be if I didn't pass on some of that love? Before jumping into a letter written by Peter, we're talking about the disciple, the apostle, the follower, not just one of the twelve, but one of the three that were in the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. He saw things others didn't. He experienced things that others never would. God had a plan specifically for him. Wouldn't you benefit a little bit by before reading through First Peter or walking through some of these messages to be able to get a glimpse of the man, Peter, as he walked with Jesus. Wouldn't that be helpful? Everybody say that. That would be helpful. Yeah, that would be very helpful. So today what we want to do, without further ado, we just want to jump right in and take a look at this. What, what are a few lessons that Peter learned as he walked with Jesus? What were some of the things that he saw in himself? What did he see in Jesus? What did he, what kind of journey did he go through to prepare him for great darkness and walking through the valleys that he would go through? Because Peter was one of those that was going to be tortured for following Jesus. He was going to be crucified for his commitment to Jesus. What prepared Peter? What did Peter know that he passed on to the churches? Well, let's see firsthand as we walk through the Gospels a little bit. Okay, so we're going to be jumping around, but and we're just going to be looking at five lessons of Peter's preparation for the dark. What did he learn firsthand from Jesus? Well, let's start here. Verse 1, chapter 1 of 1 Peter starts off with this, just so that there's no confusion about who's writing this letter. It starts off with Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ. What is an apostle? There was only a few apostles. An apostle had to see Jesus, be with Jesus. Literally, apostle means sent one to be on an apostolic mission as those early followers were that we saw them being sent out not just to stay with Jesus, but then to go. As Jesus ascended, as he sent the Spirit of God, the church began now we have a group called the Apostles that had unique power, insight. They were with him. They were trained by Jesus, and they were sent out on mission. So Peter's walk with Jesus prepared him for the deepest darkness that he was going to face. That's what Jesus does. He prepares us, and he walks with us, and he sends us everything that we need. Do you know what I love about this? I love the fact that a term or a title like apostle can sound like, whoa, it sounds like a kind of a big deal. I'm not an apostle. He was like, an apostle, whoa. When we dig into Peter's life, we're going to discover a few things. That God was not just preparing him for the hard stuff, he was using the hard stuff of his life to actually help him 
chisel him, refine him to live up to his calling. He didn't start there. So we need some perspective about who Peter is. But first, here's a question, and this is what verse 1 answers. Who in the world is Peter writing to? He's writing a letter. He's an apostle. He has authority. He has been sent by Jesus. And what does it say? He's writing this letter to those who are elect, the chosen. He's talking about followers of Jesus. But how else are they described? It's not just the church in general. It's exiles, exiles of the dispersion, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. We're talking about the church that once gathered was under siege, and now they're scattered. Exiles. What in the world is an exile? An exile is one that has been cast out. You are no longer comfortable and at home. You are no longer safe. You are now wandering, and you're wondering what is going to come next, where the attacks are going to come from. Am I going to be persecuted, killed, an exile, driven out? They were driven out from their home and their, everything that was familiar to these regions and these cities all around. This would have been Northern Asia Minor, which today we would say this is Turkey. They're now scattered, and the church didn't look nice and peaceful. It wasn't nice, quiet, calm gatherings. Instead, they were running for their lives trying to figure out if they personally were going to be able to make it. Are we going to survive this? What, why is God doing this? What's going to happen next? And not only that, but then the church as a whole, in the eyes of the world around, they were looking at the church going, yeah, what's up now? Y'all thought you could be comfortable and safe and meeting in, in homes and, and gather in the synagogues. And guess what? Uh, we have a different plan. We are going to hunt you down one by one, and we'll see what happens to your nice little group of followers of Jesus. Peter was writing to those that were running for their lives. What does he have to say about facing darkness? Well, here's the lessons that Peter had to learn before he could write a letter like this offering hope in the dark for those that didn't know what was coming up next. What did Peter learn? If you're taking notes, jot this down. This is one takeaway, I believe, that, that Peter had. Jesus meets us where we are, but never leaves us there. Jesus meets us where we are, but he never leaves us there. Uh, if we want 1 John 1, get that up on the screen if you see that. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, anointed one. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called, or better yet, you now shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. He's brought to Jesus, and guess what happens? Jesus met him as he was. There was a name that was appropriate to him. And in that moment of encounter with Jesus, this is Peter's story, right? I once was and now I am. There's a before Jesus and there's an after Jesus. My identity, my value system, my hope, everything that I live for. And then I met Jesus. He went from Simon to Peter. And uh, Warren Wearsby uh, has a, a great quote in regards to the names of Peter, because it is kind of unique. If, if we're going to dive into this letter that Peter wrote, you've got to understand, how, how did Peter even get to a place where he was teaching and leading? Well, he was changed. Here's what Warren Wearsby uh, 
pastor to pastors, author, commentator, he says, Peter was the man with three names. Nearly 50 times in the New Testament, he's called Simon. Often he's called Simon Peter. Perhaps the two names suggest a Christian's two natures. An old nature, Simon, that is prone to fail, and a new nature, Peter, that can give victory. As Simon, he was the only, uh, he was only a human piece of clay, but Jesus Christ made a rock out of him. God sees you like he sees Simon for who you are and, everybody say and, this is the crucial piece. I love this. Thank you, Warren Wiersbe. He sees you for who you are and has a vision for who you will become. Do we believe that? That's Peter's story, but here's what's awesome. The takeaway is that's our story. Before Jesus, after Jesus, what happened in the middle? Jesus met us where we were at. Peter recognized that. Jesus, he would find out. Jesus knew everything about him and radically changed him. Well, can we, can we take some glimpses at Peter uh, as Simon? He, here's where uh, a few times Simon is called Simon, okay? So Luke 5.5, 5, Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing but... At your word, I will let down the nets. The context is fishing all night long, catching nothing, frustrated, irritated, ready to quit. Jesus calls out, uh, why don't you let down your, your nets? And just, just wondering if, if Simon, because he's called Simon here, that his response wasn't, oh, of course, King, Lord, Jesus. He's saying, are you an idiot? I do this for a living. Do you know that my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather, do you know who I am? Do you know that we do this? Do you even fish? You don't even know how to fish. I guess I'll throw down the nets to prove you wrong. Okay, Simon. How about this? Mark 14, he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter specifically, what did he say to Peter? He didn't say Peter. He said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In the hour of Jesus' greatest need, and as he's crying out to his father, is there any other way other than the cross? And what are those that are supposed to be his right-hand men? What are they doing? There's a Simon moment. I, I was tired, okay? You can't stay up. No, because Simon, fleshly, selfish, it's still real. The battle is still real. How about this? Here's a glimpse of, of Peter. Throughout Scripture, again, we see Peter being used. Luke 5, but when Simon Peter, okay, now we have both, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When, it, when he saw Jesus even after he was defeated, and Jesus called him to himself after performing a miracle, he recognized, I'm the fool. I'm the one with little faith. I'm the one that thought it was over. I'm the one that walked away. But he wasn't done yet. And he called him Peter. Because in that moment, a Peter moment was, I recognize my rebellion. I recognize my hardness. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to get on my knees 
That's pretty awesome. Everybody say that's awesome. It's awesome to see that we are Simon. It's also awesome to see he's making us Peter. That there is an old and there is a new and that God is changing us. So if you're in 1 Peter 1, we're going to get there in weeks to come, but let me just point you to this. Verses 18 and 19. Are you there? 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. We'll unpack this later, but he says this. Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways. Do you think that maybe Peter was thinking from my Simon days, my Simon ways? God ransomed me. He ransomed you, church. He bought you back that you inherited from your forefathers all of this selfishness and wickedness and rebellion, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Peter can say, Jesus laid down his life for me, and he knew me well. He knew the old me, and he laid down his life like, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He could say, even though the God of the universe knew all of my flaws and warts and failures, all of my hardness and arrogance, he was tortured for me. I now see that he's the lamb, he's the spotless one when I'm so dirty and nasty. And Peter's reminding the church, that's not just me, that's all of us, that's all of us. What's the second lesson? The second lesson, how about this? Jesus strips our self reliance and produces humility if you know anything about simon you're about to know a little bit more self-reliance is an understatement matthew 16 16 simon peter replied to jesus after jesus is asking who who do you say that i am who who do you think that i am his response you are the christ you're the son of the living god matthew 26 peter responds Though they all fall away because of you, oh, I, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, and you, you will deny me, Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, no, 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 e even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples, they joined in, right? They said the same thing. And we see Peter knew the right answer. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And when tested, I got this. I can handle this. I'm committed. I'm fully loyal to you, Jesus, in the moment of testing. He falls away. Matthew 26, 52, Jesus said to him, when they came to arrest him, who's the first person to pull out a sword? If you get to know anything about a little bit of old Simon still in there, right? Put your sword back in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Peter, you don't get it. You're fighting the wrong, the wrong battles. You're fighting the wrong way. It's not about you. And if you want to flip to 1 Peter 5, you should have your finger already there, right? In 1 Peter 1, if you just want to flip forward to chapter 5, maybe thinking about all of these past events, 1 Peter 5 now shows us Peter the apostle, Peter the pastor, Peter the leader is now passing on what he had learned to the church. And what does he say? Likewise, you who are younger, be subject, be submissive to the elders. Clothe yourself. What an image. 
Take off the old dirty clothes. Clothe yourself. Put on brand new clothes. All of you. What kind of clothes, Peter? Humility toward one another. Why should we do that, Jesus? For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he will exalt you. Do you think that, that Simon transformed to Peter once the pebble turning into the rock that Jesus called him out, transforming him? Do you believe that when he's now writing letters to the church and he's saying, you need to learn to submit yourself and humble yourself? How, how are we doing with that, church? Doing great? We love to submit ourselves, love to come under authority, love to listen to feedback and criticism and, and want people to help us grow and change. We want to be rebuked, corrected, right? We just love it. And then we get, into, get in lines and say, ooh, ooh, me next, me next. Can, can you please? Well, we know Simon of the constant, nope, I won't do this. This is exactly how it's going to play out and over and over again. Fail, 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 fail. What does Jesus do? Jesus radically changes him so now he can stand up before a persecuted church and he can say, church, humble yourself. Get low before the Lord. How can Peter even say that? How many people want to go, oh, let's go ahead and take a look at your resume. Let's look at your past history. How, how did you do at humbling yourself, Peter? Huh? Huh? And he's like, that's not me anymore. I'm different. I'm new. I'm changed. He's speaking from a life that's been transformed. The old to the new. How awesome is that? That the dunce cap student becomes the teacher by the power and grace of another. Not his own self-reliance and his own hard work and I got this and I'll do it myself. Do you think maybe that's not just a lesson that Peter needed to learn? You think maybe we're, we're there today? God, teach me. Teach me that lesson. Not self-reliance, humility. More humility. How about this? Number three, if you're jotting this down, what else? Third lesson that we can see from Peter's life, Simon Peter, learning from Jesus personally. Jesus redeems our failure and restores our future. Jesus redeems our failure and restores our future. Matthew 26 Let's get a sneak peek. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came up to him and said, Hey, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But what did he do? It, it was prophesied already. Here's now the story of it becoming a reality. He denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And when he went out to the, uh, went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. Isn't that humiliating, right? You're an apostle and little servant girls that probably are little pagan servant girls are like calling you out. And what's the response? This man, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. I remember. And now they're grouping up and they're calling him out. And again, he denied it. I do not know the man. I don't know who you're talking about. After a, a little while, while the bystanders even more started coming up and saying to Peter, no, 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 certainly I am absolutely certain you too are one of 
them, one of the followers of Jesus, for your accent betrays you. I'm listening to you. You're lying. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and swearing, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter remembered in that moment the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will. You will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept. Wept. Wept bitterly. Do you think that Jesus knew his failure? Not just in general, but that his failure was going to be a failure failing to follow and obey him? Jesus knows your failures. He knows them all. John 21, we also see Simon Peter here. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it a third time, you love me. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Just when Peter thought it was over, it was just beginning. At the point of failure, the point of collapse, the erosion of his promises and his commitments and his character, when Jesus had every right to say, you're done, you're off the team, he was leveraging, he was highlighting and using the failures of Peter to say, my love for you is greater than your failure on me. My forgiveness towards you is greater than your mess-ups, every single one of them. In a sense, Jesus was saying, you're really, really good at blowing it, and you fail all the time, and you don't follow through with what you say you're going to do. And when it matters most, you collapse under pressure. And you are qualified to serve me and be a leader on my team, in my church. Because your failures do not cancel you out. Your failures do not kick you to the curb. You're not on the bench. You're not off the team. The failures teach you. You're weak, but I'm strong, Jesus would say. So now do the work. Let's do the work. Have you learned from the past? Teach others to do the same. I don't know who needs to hear that, but for Jesus to say to us, I'm not done with you yet. It's not over. It's not over. I'm not finished with you yet. This may be just the beginning. This may be the end in your eyes, but it's the beginning of my mission for you. How awesome is that? That our God is merciful to that end. Our God is so gracious that even when we fail and falter every single time, He is continually offering grace and forgiveness to then say, let's get to the work that needs to be done. He uses those that are broken, those that are failures, to restore our future. If you're back in 1 Peter 1, 
We're going to get this in weeks to come. But 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25, I just want to highlight this. In light of what Simon Peter learned throughout the years of walking with Jesus, he is going to write to the scattered exiles, the church under persecution, and he's going to say, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, all flesh is like grass. All its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fails. But what happens? The word of the Lord remains forever. The word of the Lord continues on. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Do you think Peter spoke that to a persecuted, suffering church living in the dark because God just said, hey, here's some ideas, here's some thoughts to pass on to the church? I wonder if with every pen stroke in the letter that he wrote, he was having flashbacks of all of those moments of failure when he screwed up again, when he let down King Jesus again, when he turned his back, when he didn't follow through, he's able to write to the church with full conviction. Live this. Be changed. I can tell you I was, Peter can say. That was me. I was in your spot needing somebody to call me out to help me forward, to give me grace, to forgive me. I needed to be reminded that Jesus uses every failure and he allows us to work our future out based on what we've learned in the growth. What's a fourth lesson? Fourth lesson, if you're wanting to jot this down, Jesus heals our brokenness and gives loving boldness. Jesus heals our brokenness and gives loving boldness from the, the life of Peter, remember, so much before he wrote this book, he lived it. He lived this, this life, brokenness into boldness. Acts 4, if you want to jot down that address, Acts 4, 19 through 20, Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. As Jesus brought healing from the things that he saw and heard from Jesus, he denied, he denied, he denied, he rejected, he faltered. And all of a sudden, the church begins in the book of Acts. And Simon, now Peter, we have him standing before kings and princes. We have them being ushered into places where they are going to be sentenced, possibly to death. And they are told, shut your mouth enough we're done with you spreading this heresy this false teaching i don't know what kind of cult you are sponsoring but it's gotta stop and what did the leaders of the church what did the apostles respond with we have to speak we know what it's like to deny we know what it's like to be scared and to keep our mouths shut we know what it's like to disappoint jesus face to face but no more. I'm not living that way anymore. Brokenness turns into boldness as Peter is radically transformed. 
Are, are you feeling that in your old life? I don't, I don't know what personally you're feeling like. If I assess 2022 or the years prior, if I think about my faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't assume everybody is born again, is a Christian, but if you are a follower of Jesus, you can assess in a new year, how did last year go with standing firm and conviction and boldness and speaking up? And if we learn anything from Peter, I just love this, that I can stand before us as a church and say, in Jesus' name, if 2022 was an absolute failure for you, if it was cowardly and fearful and anxiety-ridden to just open your mouth and speak about your faith, that we can say today, in Jesus' name, brokenness and failures and silence can be the launching pad, can be the springboard for a new year of, I am not going to keep my mouth shut. I need to speak. God has done so much in my life, I cannot remain silent. People have to know. They must know. They must hear. They must watch my life and hear from my mouth good news. This year's going to be different in Jesus' name. Amen? I, I hope that's your receiving clarity, learning from Peter. I don't want to be like who he was. I don't want to be Simon any longer. God, make me a Peter this year because so much is at stake. I'm done. I'm done living the old. I need I need new. I need something new. Lift up your voice and say, I need new. I need new. I need something different about the way I talk, about the way that I stand firm, about looking back with failure, but experiencing grace. How about this? Acts 5, Peter and the apostles, they boldly said once again, you can read through the book of Acts and over and over, we must obey God rather than men. We cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. We have to obey we cannot stay silent. It doesn't matter what's at stake. It doesn't matter the cost. I have to speak up. Peter and the apostles had a growing conviction that was not there before. It was not there in their early years walking with Jesus. But the power of the Holy Spirit working through them, learning from the past, they're moving forward different. This is different. And if you're still in 1 Peter, go ahead and flip to 1 Peter 4.8. 1 Peter 4.8. 1 Peter 4.8. We're going to we're going to dive deep there soon. But I think out of this, out of brokenness and boldness, out of healing from the past and now loving people by boldly speaking the truth in love with grace, Peter learned this. He says this, 1 Peter 4.8, above all, above all, this is so big, this is such a great calling and commandment. Keep on loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins and, and if we can just imagine peter with flashbacks of simon that he would have seen his regret of the past and he would have seen time and time again i was supposed to love my master jesus i was called to follow my god i was supposed to love him well obey him be committed to him. I was supposed to love others well by speaking up and telling them, I'm not ashamed. Aren't you one of his followers? Yes. He knew how he was supposed to respond. And he failed to love. And he failed to speak up. And he failed to identify 
with the one that laid down his life. But how awesome is this? That he says, I'm a changed man and I'm calling you as a church earnestly be committed to loving people well. Do not stop. Do not make excuses. Simon could say, I blew it, but the story wasn't over yet. My story of loving myself and protecting myself and looking out for myself. Simon has lots of stories like that. But Peter is saying, I'm not that guy anymore. Church, above all, love earnestly, all in, fully committed, boldness, speaking when necessary. When God is saying, open up your mouth, do not deny. And I love that Peter could write this. Do you see it in verse 8? We're, we're going to unpack it more, but because he's like, my life is now marked by love. It's marked by love. And here's the image Peter gives. Because living a life of love now, you know how powerful it is to cover a multitude, so many sins of the past. And he's not saying, if I love people really well and work really hard and be religious, somehow I'm going to be forgiven of my past sin. He's saying, me living a new life is overshadowing. It's eclipsing all of those past failures. What people see is not a growing number of selfishness and acts of self-preservation Love is now covering over all of the past where people can't but say, you're different. You are so different. I knew who you used to be. You're not the same man. I hope that can be said of you. 2023, that you could say, this is the year that I want me all in, fully committed to Jesus, covering all of the past so that people can point here and not linger here, number five, this is our fifth and final takeaway, right? Lesson from, from Peter. Everybody say, land the plane. There we go. Jesus finishes what he starts in us. Do you believe it? Jesus finishes what he starts in us. We need to be reminded of Galatians 2. If you want to jot down that address, Galatians 2, 14 through 16. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth, not by Gentile, excuse me, not Gentile sinners. Verse 16, yet we know that a person, here's clarity, a person is not justified, they're not made right with God by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? You believe that? So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We start here. We start from a place of, I didn't work hard to get right. I don't work hard to stay in. I'm not going to start by works. I'm not going to finish by works. The only way to become a Christian is I am a failure my God is a success. I am a rebel. And Jesus loves rebels. And he actually lays down his life for them. I cannot live a perfect life. Jesus alone already did for me and for you. We start from a place of only by grace. Faith in Jesus. 
How do we finish this? How do we finish this Christian life? More grace. I need more grace. It was only grace that you forgave me and you bought me. It's only by grace that you're going to keep sustaining me. Peter had to learn very clearly that Jesus was not done by just changing his name, not by just giving him a title as apostle, not just by sending him initially on a mission. The grace of God was going to carry Peter all the way to his crucifixion. And it has been said by church historians all alike that Peter was the one that was prophesied that he was going to die and suffer And the way that he chose was to not be crucified upright like his master, but he requested to be crucified upside down. That a man who thought he could do it on his own experienced grace. And that grace took him all the way to his death. What Jesus started in him, Jesus finished. John 21, we have Jesus' words. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. But when you're old, Peter, you're going to stretch out your hand. Another is going to dress you. Someone else is going to carry you where you don't want to go. This he said, Jesus did, to show by what kind of death Peter's death was going to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said once again to Peter, follow me. Follow me. Follow me to the end. Follow me to whatever it costs. Follow me and do not quit and don't stray. And we'll close with this. 1 Peter 5, 10. After you have suffered a little while, Peter says to the church. Do you think Peter knew about suffering? He says, church, after you will After you suffer a little while, the God of all grace. He's the God of all grace. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's the God of all grace. He's the God of all grace. Even in suffering? Yes, even in suffering. Who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ. He will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, establish you. This is the promise. This is the guarantee. So I don't know where you're at this morning. And as a church, where are we at in regards to being able to hear over the next weeks from the Apostle Peter and sit at his feet and he's speaking from a place of great failure and regret. He's speaking personally from dark places. And he's going to speak hope into our situations because the same hope that came to him arrives on our doorstep. The same hope that we desperately need in times of struggle. That's the same hope that is being offered to us as a church, being offered to us individually as families. 2023 being a year, God, I need hope because it doesn't look very hopeful. God, I'm going through this situation and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it through. I don't know if I can put up any longer. I don't know if I have what it takes. Could we, could we say from Peter's lessons? Peter's about to tell us over the next weeks, you are correct, church. You don't have what it takes. You're not strong enough. 
you're correct. It is going to hurt. And suffering lasts much longer than we want it to. And the trial doesn't seem to go away very quickly. And it doesn't seem very fair that you're facing that. But Simon Peter would say, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Keep going and do not quit. There is hope in the dark while you wait. 